from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I want to invite you to download our ministry's mobile app. You can watch all of our programs as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. And it's free. Just go to the App Store on your phone or mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. Among our many colloquial expressions, one is almost universally understood. When we say we are setting our sights on something, it means we're aiming our efforts to be or to do or to achieve something. Oddly enough, however, we rarely use this expression when talking about ultimate things, and yet clearly we should. Consider, for example, life's great questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Surely these questions must be asked and answered before we can set our sights on something meaningful. Otherwise, we become like the fellow in the story who spent his whole life climbing the ladder of success only to find the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. All of which begs the question, why are you here? What is your purpose for living? Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy with his message, The Chief End of Man. Our scripture lesson this morning is taken from the 42nd Psalm. Psalm 42, beginning with the first verse. May we give our careful attention to the inspired and infallible word of the living God. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And may God speak this day through his holy word to our hearts and to our needs, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. An elementary school teacher was telling her young class how that people came with two ends. There was the round end and the pointed end. The round end, she explained, was for sitting and the pointed end was for thinking. 
she intended to work on the pointed end. That Sunday, one of the little boys was in Sunday school, and the teacher was quizzing the class on the catechism question. What is the chief end of man? His hand shot up and triumphantly he declared, the pointed end. Well, our little friend was confused. But far more tragic is the fact that there are millions of adults in this country who are just as confused as he as to what the chief end in life really is. They don't know where they're going, where they came from, or where they should even be heading. They are completely lost in a world that has been befogged by unbelief. And this indeed is a great tragedy. What is the chief end of man? Well, 350 years ago, the Westminster divines, about 150 godly men, came together to examine the teachings of Scripture and they set this first. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, time management experts tell us that we should always be setting goals. And I think it was Steve Covey who said, begin with the end in mind and then work backward. That is, think about your death or the obituary that you would like to see written about you and then work backward from that to the present and then so live your life as to try to reach that end. Begin with the end in mind. Well, that is good advice from a worldly point of view, and yet the error is that death is not the end. And those who see nothing beyond the obit column have a very short-sighted view of life to say the least. The last word about our lives in this world will not be written in the newspaper but in the Lamb's Book of Life and in the judgment books of God. But the divines of Westminster knew that the chief end of man must lie beyond the borders of this life and death and must reach in to eternity, to enjoy Him forever, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Now, how do we glorify God is a question that we need to ask ourselves. One of the principal ways is through the worship of the triune God, and this I would like to consider with you today. I remember a very attractive young lady asked a young man uh, this question inquiringly, where do you attend church? And he confidently responded, oh, I don't attend any church, but of course you can be just as good a Christian without going to church as you can by going to church. 
Now that is a sentiment which is held by many people today, obviously so in our country. Right this morning, there are about 105 million Americans in church. But there are 145 million others who aren't, who probably, most of them, embrace such a philosophy as that. For though that young man made that statement confidently, it is nothing but errant nonsense. Now, I think I can speak uh, that caustically about that young man, since it was I who made that statement. You can be just as good a Christian without going to church as you can by going to church, which is as foolish as supposing that you can be just as healthy a human being without eating as you can by eating. And that is palpably false. Now, let me make one thing very clear. There are many people who go to church who are not Christians. But every Christian goes to church, unless he is providentially hindered by being bedridden or some other such providential hindrance. May I say that again? There are many people who go to church who are not Christians, to wit, the young lady who asked me that question, who is now my wife, who at the time attended church six times a week, but at that time she was not yet a Christian either. So we had a very religious unbeliever and a very irreligious unbeliever. Neither one of them was truly a Christian. Not everyone that goes to church is a Christian, but everyone who is a Christian goes to church. I asked a lady just this week in her home how many strong men it would take to make her eat a bowl of dog food. She agreed it would take a number, and you would probably concur. I said, however, if I had a magic wand and I tapped you on the head and turned you into a golden cocker spaniel, all I would need do would be set down the bowl of dog food and get my fingers out of the way before you ate them too. You see, the reason that we don't eat dog food is because we're not dogs. But if we became dogs, we would want dog food. I talked to a man one time who told me about all of the reasons why he didn't go to church. <clears throat> He'd rather stay home and read the funny papers. He had to work six. He had all sorts of excuses. And I said, would you like for me to tell you the real reason why you don't go to church? He was startled. And he said, yes. And I said, all right. This is the real reason why you don't go to church. Very simply, it is because you have never been born again. You don't have that new heavenly spiritual nature that Christ gives to people when they are regenerated, which causes them to want to eat spiritual food in the same way that a dog, having received a doggy nature at birth, desires to eat dog food.
when we receive a Christ nature at rebirth, we too will desire to eat Christian food, and we will desire it as well. In our text this morning, David says, as the heart, that's H-A-R-T, the heart, the stag, the male deer, panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I think my attention was first drawn to that text many years ago when I was in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, right outside of the wall of Jerusalem. And there in that garden is located the International Church. And on the front and the outside of the pinnacle of that church, there is a cross. And on either side of the cross, there are deer or hearts rampant, standing on their hind legs, leaning forward toward the cross. And I thought, what a beautiful symbolism that is of that text. I've never forgotten it. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Every one of us pants after something. Every one of us desires, dreams about, hungers after, thirsts for something. Now, I don't know what that might be in your life. Perhaps it is fame, fortune, wealth, ease, recreation. We live in a country where there are those who suppose, suppose that we are recreating ourselves to death and that this may be the way that the West dies. But I know this, that no unbeliever pants after God, that the thirsting of his soul is not to know God. How about you? May I ask you candidly and honestly, what is it that you are really seeking for in your life? Is it God? Let me say that if it is, that is evidence of the grace of God working in your life. Because no one desires more grace who hasn't experienced some grace already. It is grace upon grace that we need. The great Spurgeon says <clears throat> that our text is woven in the warp and woof of very different kind of thread. There is the golden thread running one way and then there is a black thread that runs crossways to that. The golden thread, of course, is that if we are panting after God, then that is indeed commendable because it indicates that God's Spirit is working in our hearts, drawing us unto Him. But on the other hand, the black thread is that we ought not to need such panting at all 
because it is an indication of our sin whereby we have declined away from God and we have backslidden out of his presence and no longer are enjoying that intimate daily communion which once we delighted in in time gone by. Sometimes we can drift slowly away, gradually sliding away from that intimate fellowship with God. As in, I recall the book To Light a Fire by Jack London, which describes a man walking through the freezing, frigid cold of Alaska when the temperature had dropped down below 40, below zero, and how at length the biting cold was searing his lungs and throat, freezing his breath and his hands and feet. He was utterly exhausted and felt at length that if only he could sit down for a few minutes and regain his strength, then perhaps he could go on and make it to his home. And having sat down in the deep snow, and leaned back against that snow, he began to feel the burning pain be assuaged and lessened until he felt a warmth that surged through his body and he began to relax. And he thought, if I could just lean my head against the bank of snow and, and perhaps catch a few minutes sleep, then I would be refreshed and able to go on. And so he closed his eyelids and soon slept the sleep of the dead. And so Satan would have us to be comfortable in our apostasy. And the one thing he doesn't want us to do is to come back to God and to Rejoice in his presence and his love. Sometimes we need to be startled awake and realize that we have slidden back, that we are far from that comfortable relationship of joy and intimacy that once we knew, that comfort that only Christ can give and be drawn back to him. My friend, perhaps you have realized today how far you have drifted from Christ and you need to get back. You need then to pray that God would give you that thirsting spirit that your soul may pant after the living God. This is what God wants. He wants to have that intimate relationship with us. Thereby we glorify him. The scripture says, that this is life eternal, that we may know thee, the true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither the mighty man in his might, but let, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. This intimate knowledge of the living God is the great purpose of our lives here. My soul panteth after thee, O God. Each of us thirsts for something. 
but only if Christ has come into our lives do we thirst for him. The unbeliever, the blind worldling, is like a child who wants something, but he doesn't even know what it is that he really wants. He tries everything to fill the emptiness in his heart, our hearts which, as have been said, are God-shaped blanks that only God can fill. You know, when, when the deer, the stag, the heart pants after water, it's usually when he has been perhaps pursued by hunters or by wild dogs. And now, having fled as long and as far as he could, his water is gone and his whole body pants after that. You can see him tremble, the perspiration on his flanks, the dried tongue out of his mouth, the wild, panicky look in his eyes as he's thirsting in his whole being after the water brooks. So thirsteth my soul after thee, O God. Let us pray that God would give us that kind of thirsting and not be satisfied till that prayer is answered. If God would give us any desire for him at all, then surely he would not leave that desire unfulfilled. If we sincerely seek him, the Bible tells us that those that truly seek me, says God, shall ever truly find me. And if you don't know and have never known that intimate relationship with Christ, that realization that you are accepted in the beloved, not because there is anything good in you, but in spite of the fact of all of the evil that is in the hearts of every one of us, that by his pure grace, through the merits of his atoning death, we are accepted freely and given the gift of eternal life and reconciled to him and embraced by his love. If you've never known that, then I would urge you to come to the cross right now, to kneel before the crucified one, to repent of your sins, to confess your iniquity, and to ask for his forgiveness, for his cleansing and his renewal, that he might change your heart and make you truly his own. Ah, dear friend, this is the chief end of man, to know him, to know him intimately, the thirst after his presence. May that thirsting, that panting, be yours. May we pray. Father, for those who have known your love and who can look back into the halls of memory and recall those times in the room at the bottom of the stairs where there have been those daily times of love and intimacy and who realize that they have drifted far from that, may they determine right now to cry unto thee, O Lord, Grant me that panting of my soul after thee. Grant me a thirsting after the living God, that I might come and find thee, who alone can satisfy the emptiness of the human heart. And for those who have never known it, 
May they say, O Christ, truly thou hast died for me. I see it now and see that I will never be good enough to be acceptable because of my goodness. But unacceptable as I am, thou art willing to accept me by thy grace. I come to thee, repenting of my sins, trusting in your blood shed for my iniquity. Come into my heart and live in me. In thy name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. And to help you get started in your new life in Christ, we want to send you the book, Beginning Again, written by Dr. Kennedy for new believers. In these pages, you'll find the book of John from the New Testament. And I encourage you to read at least a chapter a day and then pray and ask God to help you understand what you've read so that you can grow in your new faith. This book is our gift to you when you write to our address or call our toll-free number and ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you do. As Dr. Kennedy shared with us today, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Yet so many Christians live in daily spiritual lethargy because they don't know how God is connected to the daily things in life, from work to politics and government, from raising a family to the natural world around us. That's why we have developed a new ministry resource that will help you live out God's purpose for your life in every part of your life. It's a brand new book called Make Your Life Count, Discover God's Plan for the Rest of Your Life. And we want to send it to you today as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. This new book is a project of our ministry, and we are very excited about it. And we are offering it for the very first time. I, along with several other members of our ministry team, have written the chapters of this book to help you see God's will and design for every part of your daily life and for the world around you. Understanding that will help you to live out your Christian life with newfound purpose and resolve at whatever stage of life you're at, whether just graduating from school or enjoying your retirement years. Every Christian should read this concise, easy to understand book. We will send you Make Your Life Count, Discover God's Plan for the Rest of Your Life as our thanks for your generous donation to help us produce and air programs like this one. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069 or go online to djkm.org. We at D. James Kennedy Ministries are committed to standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright, 
Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.